Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning. The following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example. Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am your father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 589. We called an audible. I know last week we promised you the Dirty Dozen. We will uh, push that to next week. But uh, due to the death of Carl Reiner, we thought we would uh, we would honor his passing by tackling Oh God, which was directed by Carl Reiner. So there you go. I guess uh, let's go around the virtual table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us while you're there. Be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Of course, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. Uh, You'll probably be happier in the group. (laughs) 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 Just putting that out there. Um and uh, you can also, uh, the the group is called the League of Show Sharers, but you can also become a real-life League of Show Sharers by sharing a show episode. People who were kind enough to share uh, an episode this week are Lane Levanway, Glenn Cougar Mellon Brewer, Chris Valls, Ralph Tribble, Brent Smith, Travis Tewitt, Tammy Sherman Powers, Griffin Fox-Smith, Gabriel Lugo, Chris Sanders, Ron Johnson, Aaron Marlowe, Julianne Jordan, Chris Magic Man, and Chris Williams. So thank you very much. Uh, gender neutral guys we appreciate that and uh also our patreon patreon.com slash real spoilers where for five bucks a month you can get uh all sorts of bonus content and you help us out and we appreciate that so uh so there we go i guess uh oh god so had uh, i'm just curious have uh had you guys ever seen any of these movies i i saw the boxes for them does that count <laughs> That's, no, it does that's not. That's as far as I got. I had seen the first one, but a long time ago, like as a kid and maybe on TV or something. So yeah. I didn't really remember it. I mean, I remembered the general premise of it, but the details, no. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I remember when this movie came out, I would have been like seven-ish years old. So I remember it coming out, and I remember uh, just it was massive i mean it was just huge so okay so my question is it massive because of carl reiner george burns or john denver um or religion 
or religion. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's all of those. I mean, honestly, the religion thing you would think would work against it, right? So many people have their personal beliefs, and if 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 a movie about religion tackles any part of it incorrectly or does what they feel denigrates their religion, like it's amazing that this movie seems to have come out without creating any degree of controversy whatsoever. Because the internet didn't exist yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People would have just had a field day picking I'm, little, you know, little oh things Oh, man. Apart. If this came out in 2020, this is this is a Kurt Cameron classic right here. But it's not... Like, this is, this, but it's not preachy in the way, like, a Kurt Cameron, like, uh, megachurch kind of movie would be. No, it's it's not. Like, I mean, it, it kind of is. I mean, it's, it's preachiness is ultimately, like, be nice. Yeah, right? that's true. I mean that yeah. that's basically what the the core of this movie is is don't be a and so um it really it it they they do thread that needle in terms of it it doesn't really uh go up against anybody's religion. They never address even the they never really address the existence of of like Jesus or Muhammad or anything like I mean they acknowledge that these other religions exist, but they they never do anything to indicate if one of any them of is, them are wrong, right or right, yeah, yeah, you know? sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, but this movie it made forty one million dollars in nineteen seventy seven. So, adjust that's a lot of money adjusted for inflation. That's a hundred and seventy three million dollars today. Golly, yeah. I think any I think any studio at this point would would uh, kill for one of those. Absolutely, especially for a <laughs> comedy, you know. And oh yeah, for sure. And George Burns at this point is is riding high, right? Like he uh his career had been resurrected uh a few years prior with a movie called The Sunshine Boys. And, okay. Uh he played uh he won an Oscar for it. It was his I think it was his first like film role in like 35 years or something like that. <laughs> like, was he was yeah. he a so I guess I always think of him as the old man. But was he a stand-up comedian before? Absolutely. So he was okay. so he was part of a comedy team called Burns and Allen. Like I guess I forget that a lot of people don't know this part of the story, so let me recap. <laughs> he was uh he started You're welcome. He's th- yeah, thank you. He started in vaudeville. He was a vaudevillian, an old school vaudevillian, and he um uh he was in a comedy team with his wife uh called Burns and Allen. Her name was Gracie Allen. Have you ever heard anyone say uh say uh good night, Gracie? Have you ever heard anybody say Sure. That's Burns and Allen. So at the end uh, of okay, okay. at the end of their act, he would always say, "Say good night, Gracie," and then she'd go, "Good night, Gracie." She had this kind of squeaky voice, and she played her person. He was the straight man, and she uh, her persona was kind of this wacky, ditzy um, person who had this really skewed logic that, for some reason, still always kind of worked out for her. Um, <laughs> almost like like how Green Acres would work, but not with that country theme. But like how Green Acres, just that community, had this weird kind of alternate logic that made no sense, but somehow it always functioned. Like she right, was like right. a one person version of that, and then he spent the bulk of the time kind of mystified by her, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but obviously in love. Kind with of her. like how I was while I was watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> So uh so they were huge. He, they had a TV show together that was very popular, ran for I don't know 6 or 8 seasons I think. I mean it was it was on for a long time. Um and it's actually like uh people have kind of forgotten that TV show, but it was 
it was definitely ahead of its time. I remember Kevin and I had a conversation about it not too long ago. Do you remember you you sent me uh, you were watching the original Gary Shandling show mm-hmm. and you were talking about how he talks directly to the camera and breaks the fourth right. wall. And you were like, you were like, oh, man, you're like, I've never really seen a TV show do that. And mm-hmm. and I sent you clips from from the Burns and Allen TV show because they would do that all the time. Like he would like on the Gary Shanley show. It wasn't just that he would talk to the TV show. It's like he would step outside of the TV show and acknowledge that they were filming a TV show and then step back into the TV show and then continue on with it. And, and they would do that on Burns and Allen all the time. They would, they, he would like stop in the middle of a scene and then turn to the camera and talk about what was going on and then step back into the scene and they would just pick it up. And in wow. the meantime, they would also acknowledge the fact that they were filming this television show while they were filming this television show. It was it was very meta before meta was a thing. And uh, so it, it's it was ga- groundbreaking in a lot of ways that I think it, it doesn't entirely get credit for. But she died in I think it I can't remember it was fi- I think it was 64. And so and then. He would oh, wow. still pop up on things as a as a solo act, you know, but um, but he really didn't have a whole lot going on. Like he was he was Abbott without Costello, and uh, oh sure, sure, sure. And then uh, in the early seventies, was it seventy four, seventy five? They were they were shooting the Sunshine Boys, which was written by Neil Simon, and it's uh it's about an aging vaudevillian team that are getting back together for like a, a a reunion segment on a TV show, but they haven't spoken with each other in like 30 years and they positively hate each other. And, <laughs> and it was uh, set to star Walter Matthau and Jack Benny. And then Jack oh, Benny. That's not, died. Where I, that's not where I saw that going. No, totally. And then Jack Benny died and they wanted another comedian kind of from that era and they got George Burns, and he ends up winning an Academy Award for it, and it completely resurrects his career. And there's this period in the in the seventies where this eighty year old man was box office gold. He was everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that, that's what I remember. I remember him, me as a kid. Like George Burns was kind of like that crotchety old man, but he was everywhere. All the time. Yeah. I feel like he was doing commercials, maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, like, loved to work. And so he would take anything. And I don't even mean that in, like, a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, he was a working man. He he was a Christopher Walken. Yeah. He just loved to work. And so he would pop up on an episode of Alice or he would do, you know, Bob Hope specials. Not that those are, were bad things to be on, especially for a comedian of his era, but, but he would just do whatever. And, and, uh, and he would take his nightclub act on the road and do that. I saw him twice when I was a kid. Um, and the last time I saw him, he was probably 97, 98 years old. I mean, he he was he died in what nineteen ninety six. He was a hundred years old, and I, I think his last credit might have been ninety four. I mean, he, he died forty nine days before he turned a hundred. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah. I mean, because yeah. uh, he used to always joke. They were like, "Are you going to live to be a hundred? And he was he was <laughs> booked into like Caesars or something for right. his hundredth birthday, and he was like, and he always said, "He's like, well, of course I will. I'm booked that day." You know, <laughs> so w- was he tight with Carl Reiner? Uh, I don't think 
exceptionally so. Like so with Oh God, um, this will not come as a shock to you. But uh, this is not who Carl Reiner originally envisioned as playing these roles. Would you like okay. to take a guess as to who he envisioned? Was it somebody of the same era or it's somebody younger? Two people you would know very, very well. Oh, um, Mel Brooks. <laughs> there you go. He thought yeah. <laughs> he could. He envisioned Mel Brooks as God, and in the John Denver role, he wanted Woody Allen. Rob. Oh, I was going to say Rob oh. Reiner. <laughs> yeah. No, he wanted Woody I Allen. Could, I could see that working. I could absolutely see that. Yeah, yeah that makes I, sense. I think the more the more kind of neurotic as far as the guy that that you know it, God is talking to would come off as kind of crazier, and I I could definitely see that. Yeah, like, I would also say though that like the the idea that Woody Allen would land Terry Gar is a little ridiculous. But then I say that, and then he you look know, at Mia the that, that was kind that Mia Farrow and uh, <laughs> uh, who was it? In, oh, who was in? Uh, Annie, Diane Keaton, Diane and, Keaton. Oh so, yeah, I mean, all his movies. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's I mean, all, he's always putting. That. <laughs> but he, but he was with Diane Keaton in real life too. So I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, but yeah, if you look at the women that he w- was uh, was dating Attached back in the day, him. right? I right. mean, he, that makes sense. I guess you know, That's yeah. Right. Like I, I get and, on paper and the character you see in the movies, you're like, really? But whatever it was, I mean, he was he was out there getting it, man. Yeah, 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 it's that nerdy, neurotic comedian, yeah. thing. And but uh, it's, it's, but I think that would, that would have been a great movie. I mean, I I like the movie we we got, but I think the movie with those two would have been very different. But I I it, would be yeah. I I mean, I love Mel Brooks. I mean, he's yeah. a genius. And I mean, did you hear the sto- did you hear the story about Blazing Saddles? Have you heard this? I've heard a lot of stories. You'll have to right. be so, specific. <laughs> so they wanted to make a Blazing Saddles sequel. Oh wow! And Mel Brooks said the only in the contract they said the only way you're going to ever make a Mel uh, that I'm going to sign on for a Blazing Saddles sequel is if you make a TV show. He's like, there's no way. Like, there's he put that oh, in there. I've purpose, seen the TV show. They made a TV show. Right. Yeah. It's horrendous. But they they they've aired. They never aired it. Yeah. It was an unaired pilot. Right. It's just on the DVD. That's that's the key. So in in the contract it says there has to be a produced Blazing Saddles TV show, which we know was Black Bart. Lou Gossett Jr. played Black four seasons, four seasons of a show that was never going to air, just so they could make a Blazing Saddles sequel, which they never did. They did four seasons of it. There's four seasons. That's from Mel what? Brooks's mouth. There's I've four never seasons heard of that show <laughs> that were produced. Yeah. Yes, that I, I mean, I've I'm, just seen that pilot. I didn't know there were no, four there, seasons. There, there of are it. four seasons of that show. Well, that's insane. That exists. Like that has to be released to someday, like. so that they could get. I mean, they have a, their own network and they have their own streaming service now. Just throw it on there. That's They've what they're doing with it. everything else at this point. Yeah, it depends how desperate they get for content with yeah. everything if, uh, locked down. You know. Yeah, if they need to, you know, they apparently there's a 170 minute cut of Batman Forever. That's they're getting, a much they're getting dar- desperate. That's a much darker, darker version I mean, of Batman I'm not, Forever. <laughs> I love Batman Forever. I'm not saying, but like the fact is that Hollywood isn't producing any movies. Like they're not allowed to with the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, there will be nothing to release. So when they're going to Batman Forever director's yeah, cut, we have like, we have a two and a half hour cut of Batman Forever, uh, which is just Batman looking at a giant bat. Well, the That's thing is, is, it was really ahead of its time, though, because he wanted nipples in that version, <laughs> and so you're going to see. Doesn't he put that... nipples in that version? He does. Batman no, Forever they're has not. Nipples. They're not. They're not like the. 
They're not as crazy as that next version. Well, that's true. There, but there is a deleted scene where he actually nurses a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Very, that's why it's and that's the origin. That's why it's story, a darker movie. Yeah, I just thought that was yeah. the, the, that was funny. That, yeah, it's a, oh, it's a darker movie, all right. But yeah, the fact that Warner Brothers tried to get a, a sequel and wouldn't, you know, produce a live action TV show. I watched Blazing Saddles last night. That is one of the funniest movies of all time. That's great. I just I love that movie so much. Well, the just real quick while we're talking about Blazing Saddles, the 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 next movie we will tackle as we get to its misbegotten sequel. We're skipping the second one and going to uh, Oh God, You Devil, which is the third one. It is written by Andrew Bergman, who was one of the writers of Blazing Saddles. He wrote the original screenplay, oh. Tex X, which they liked and then reworked into what we now know as Blazing Saddles. So this actually has some oh, connective wow. tissue oh. to Blazing Saddles. Oh, very I did that on purpose. <laughs> but, uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, back to Oh God. It w- I mean, uh, it was it was a massive hit. I mean, it. and then if you look at it, it was the... It was the ninth highest grossing film of 1977. And just to put it in perspective, number 10 was Annie Hall. Number nine is Oh God. Number eight was The Spy Who Loved Me. So it made it made five million dollars less than a Bond movie. Yeah, that's Which is that. Then that's Roger Moore. Yeah, that's Roger Moore. I think that's a that Roger Moore. Connery? I'm not a big Bond guy, so. It's a Roger Moore, yeah. It's I the third Roger, Roger Moore movie. So, yeah. um, uh, then coming in number seven was The Deep. Number six, A Bridge Too Far. Number five, The Goodbye Girl. Uh, I think people have really forgotten how popular those Neil Simon films were back then. N- num- number four, Saturday mm. Night Fever. Uh, and then number three, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is the first movie on our list to cross the $100 million mark. Number two, Smokey and the Bandit at $126 million, which is a staggering sum in 1977. Gee, I wonder what number one was. <laughs> which is even more staggering. Number one, Star Wars, <laughs> $221 million. And uh, Oh God actually was the movie that finally bumped Star Wars from the number one slot in the box office for a week. Oh, really? For, oh, for, for a week. For a week. <laughs> for one week, and then Star Wars for one week, and then back. I went back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, so, do you say Close Encounters was the same year? Yeah, and that's Terry Gar too, right? Yeah, yeah. that's another so movie that's... where Terry Gar is married to someone who is going <laughs> talking crazy, who's yeah. talking crazy, <laughs> and nobody believes him. What so, a strange and, and Young, and young really... Frankenstein. Well, yeah, there's a Mel Brooks connection. But I'm there. just saying, like, she's also in, in, involved with a with a whack oh. job in that movie, too. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I didn't realize it was the same year. So, wow, that is... What a she was... I remember... She was all over the place. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. she was insanely popular, yeah. uh, if I remember right. Like, in the oh, late yeah. 70s, early 80s. Wasn't yeah, she... She, in, she was in Mr. Mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's... Yeah, yeah she's the... the the she's Mrs. Mom. Mrs. Mom. She's Mrs. And, Mom. That's true. Yeah, yeah. and she she uh, definitely played that kind of put upon wife or girlfriend a yeah. lot. She's in Tootsie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was uh, which was t- Tootsie, which was written by Larry Gelbart, who wrote this movie. Well, there you go. Oh, well, and there La- see. And Larry Gelbart was the creator of the television show Mash, so he wrote like. Uh-huh. Oh geez, he wrote uh, forty-two. Wrote or directed forty-two episodes in the first four seasons 
of MASH. Wow. So, I mean, that, you know, and he had worked with Sid Caesar. There's a lot of Sid Caesar people attached here, too, right? Like, so Carl Reiner wrote mm-hmm. and was on your show of shows with Sid Caesar, and then Larry Gelbart was a writer in that room, and then they wanted Woody Allen and Mel Brooks, who had both worked with Sid Caesar. Uh, Sid, Sid Caesar was just had a gift for picking comedic talent. Like, mm-hmm. it was, sure. you know, because Woody, Al- Woody Allen was in that room, Neil Simon, it's... It's crazy when you look at the people I, who wrote for him. I, I wish there was a way to stream your show of shows. Well, most of them don't exist. Uh, oh. They didn't save them, so they're. I know that's what I mean. Like, yeah. I just wish there was a like. It's so frustrating that you can't go back and watch those there, unless someone somehow. Yeah, maybe like, has it on VHS. I don't know. Well, you. I guess you can have it on VHS. Can you? If they filmed, I don't know how. Like, like if they got the film reels somehow, I think yeah. a lot of it they just didn't even think to keep. It was so early in the history oh. of television; they didn't think anybody would care. There is a movie uh, called Ten from Your Show of Shows, and it mm. uh, it it features ten sketches that somehow remained from your show of shows. So if you're ever looking to kind of see what that was about, Ten from Your Show of Shows is the move is a movie that's out there somewhere they used to show it on cable every once in a while i saw it when i was a kid huh yeah wow so uh, i guess getting into this movie and impressions of it so i came in having not seen it since i was a kid didn't really remember much of the details just the overall premise i was pretty disappointed honestly with i was not a fan at all i just didn't think it was that funny like it's directed by carl reiner stars george burns um it's a sweet little movie i guess right like to me i would equate it to like a family movie like you could watch this with the family totally it's got a nice message to it but to me i was just like this isn't i'm expecting this is going to be a funny movie and i feel like maybe they were a little bit too afraid to you know be funny around the subject of god and religion or something because to me i i couldn't believe how subdued it was coming from reiner especially i'm thinking this is going to be jokes a mile a minute and you know yeah it's a it's a it's somewhat comical when you've got John Denver, you know, people think he's crazy and, and he gets in all these situations, but you know, it just didn't, it didn't really make me laugh that much. And so I was uh, disappointed for that reason. I think it's almost like the last gasp of a certain type of comedy. You know what I mean? Like it's, Oh, you know, I mean, first off it has very much of a sitcom feel. I think I I thought the same thing. I thought this, this felt like a 1970s sitcom. Yeah, like a good one, but it feel mm-hmm. it feels very sitcommy, especially because like and and as great as Carl Reiner is, I feel like his talent as a director is in taking a finding the right way to communicate someone's comedic sensibility on film, right? So I mean, mm. you know, you got Summer Rental with John Candy, and then you know he did he did what three movies. Steve Martin, four, right? Four movies with Steve Martin. Don't wear plaid. Dead men don't wear plaid. All of me. The man with two brains and the jerk. Yeah. And uh, and the jerk, is, I think, closely mirrors like what you would expect from Steve Martin if you were familiar with the stand-up. And like to figure out a way to get Steve Martin's stand-up into a story and onto the screen is difficult. You know what I mean? And yeah, but, but Steve, like that's Steve, a perfect uh, th- example. Like the jerk. I mean, that movie is hilarious. And so I'm thinking Carl Reiner, he's got George Burns, who's very funny. I mean, if you watch those roasts with George Burns, yeah. like, the guy is hilarious. And so, you know, this movie was very different. And again, like, I mean, I think it's a cute little movie, but I'm expecting it to be 
you know, really funny. And to me, it was just like a, I don't know, some kind of Saturday morning, you know, easy going thing. Yeah, was, this is like a this is like a late Saturday morning, a you know, twelve o'clock movie, Saturday like, afternoon yeah, movie. We yeah. know we know the kids aren't you know away yet, so let's throw something on there that will yeah. not offend anybody. Yeah, exactly. I can't stand John Denver either. Like I don't know. <laughs> When did John Denver become an actor? I mean, I know he was an extremely talented musician. I don't remember seeing a lot of stuff with him acting. Like, wh- how did that happen, Tom? I'm not really sure how that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy has so many hits and sold a ton of records. I mean, we all know John Denver, the singer. But, geez, like, I going back and watching this, like, as a kid, I didn't realize it was John Denver in the role. Like, I, that part escaped me. And so, I, you know, watching this, I'm like, we- weird seeing John Denver act. The- the best part for me is Paul Sorvino. I I like the the Paul Sorvino character that felt like a Rob Reiner thing to yeah. me, and I loved it. I thought it yeah. was great. Donald Pleasance is in this movie, which I think is amazing. Well, yeah, I th- I th- he had a much bigger part that got cut. <laughs> yes, they oh, cut okay. they cut yeah, okay. the Donald Pleasance uh, role, which I knew Joe would be disappointed. I okay. was well. So in in Donald Pleasance's defense, Halloween hasn't happened yet. Oh. So like he's still, I think he's still like a you know a working actor. He um, but he, Halloween he'd been in the Great year, Escape. He's, <laughs> no, he's a he's a great yeah. But I mean, so and what year was that? That was like what sixty sixty three. Oh, was it okay, that so early? We're looking okay, yeah. at like you know, almost almost ten years of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's it, I John Denver to me was like a wet paper bag. <laughs> like he just there was any time he was on screen, it was just like. I just couldn't I was taken out of the movie completely because I just could not get behind his character. He he was just he's just so bland. I feel like if, if there was someone else like if Woody Allen was in the role, we talked about how different it would be. I mean, he just doesn't have that energy. Like he was okay in the role, but it to it just he didn't have he didn't have enough I don't know, like energy to make it really entertaining. He didn't, he didn't really bring anything that grabs you. He's just, I mean, he's playing the straight man. So he's just like, you know, no going crazy and no one believes him, but it's not like, it's not, I don't know. It's not zany enough. Maybe I'm looking for a little bit more comedy with a movie. Maybe like that's this. the issue. Is they're both the straight man. George Burns uh, yeah, and, and John Denver very, are both playing the straight man. So they're yeah. both very subdued. Yes. There's yeah, no so one the, to really, yeah. With the idea of Woody Allen being in this movie and just being, you know, imagine him sitting in the car when George, when God turns on the the shower, the shower head in the car. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. that's a different scene altogether. Well, Could also, you imagine Mel-, Mel Brooks being God? Oh, that'd be great. Well, the Think thing about is, the too, energy is, he would bring to it. Yeah, and, and Mel Brooks and Woody Allen are both are both joke writers, right? They both started their yeah. career yeah. as joke writers. So you also have to wonder how much they would have punched it up on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But uh, but yeah, back to Jan Denver real quick. It's weird because if you look at his IMDb, he has eleven credits. One of them is a TV show, and and or is it? I'm sorry, like a TV talk show appearance, which I'm not even sure why that's on there because it's like I'm sure he was on way more talk shows than that. Um, Do you get strange. like a credit if you were in a skit? Yeah, is that a different credit? Yeah, I don't know. It just says it says the Mike Douglas show. The Mitchell Trio, and it's from 67, so I think it's a band he was probably in at the time. Oh. But clearly he was on The Tonight Show a million times. But uh, but other than that, it's like it's pretty much all TV work. 
Yeah, I this must have just been his attempt to break into television like he wanted to be an actor and uh you know, it I don't know. It again, I'm not saying that he was necessarily like really bad or anything. He just didn't have like in a comedy, he didn't have the energy that I think that would have really pushed this movie to the next level because I mean, George Burns is so funny and I think that if he I think that if you were playing off someone that was going a little crazier, because this is someone who's claiming that God talks to him, like, <laughs> right. like that in like on paper, you think would be a pretty crazy, like, you know, you want him to appear crazy to the people and get in these zany situations. And maybe, and, and you know, it just, it just was kind of flat the whole time. And maybe it's different if it's John, like you said, if it's John Denver and Mel Brooks. Yeah. Like Mel Brooks can zany it up a little bit and give, you know, let, let John Denver be that straight man and let Mel Brooks be like the wackadoo, you know, God character. Yeah. Oh, I would. I mean, I'm just thinking of the way that he plays different. I mean, you know, he always plays over the top when he's in his movies and I'm just thinking of him as God and he probably, you know, would have put on a vo- an accent and the whole voice and everything. And yeah, that would be very <laughs> different. So he was, at, he, Mel Brooks was at something and, Maybe it was like the Mark Twain Award or something like that. And somebody, he did some Q&A with the crowd. And somebody shouted out, hey, do you wear, you know, uh, boxers or briefs? And like, even at his old, not old age, but like his advanced age, like he snaps back and just says, depends. (laughs) And it's just like (laughs) that, that, that kind of joke is what maybe I was looking for in this movie. Right. Well, Mel Brooks, I mean, just talking about Mel Brooks again. I mean, And Carl Reiner, like both of them. Yeah, but but Mel Brooks is sharp as a tack. I mean, yep. he it is amazing that what did he just turn ninety six the other day? I think no, no, he's younger than Carl Reiner. I think he's ninety four. Okay, okay. So he just turned ninety four. Yeah, and I mean the guy he I, he if you he obviously does limited appearances and limited interviews and all that. But when you hear Mel Brooks talk, it's amazing that he's still Mel Brooks, right? Like he still has that mind. He's able to joke. He's able to say things on the fly and. Um, yeah, he's, he's brilliant. And so I, when Carl Reiner passed away and rest in peace, I mean, I've been, mm-hmm. I've been going through the Dick Van Dyke show and, and, uh, watching all that. And he was absolutely a comedy legend, just rest in peace. It's a huge loss for the world. And, uh, my second thought after that was just like Mel Brooks, his best friend. I'm, I can't imagine what he's going through because their friendship it wasn't just like they were buddies and they talked every once in a while like i shared that video clip online of the comedians in cars getting coffee and jerry goes and visits uh carl reiner's place where mel brooks was going every single day mel brooks would come over uh they would get food and they would watch movies every single day (laughs) i mean yeah i mean they i mean they were i mean not to make it weird, but they, I mean, they were almost like husband sure, and wife sure. as much time as they spent together. Almost like an old married couple. Yeah. And you always hear about couples together that long. When one goes, the other's not too far behind. So hey, 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 I'm whoa, just whoa, saying whoa. it's concerning. <laughs> I'm concerned. But yeah, I mean, you know, so they've been they've been friends since your show of shows. And that's that's the routine. And so I was just thinking how heartbroken. I mean, not only, of course, I mean, his his family. I mean, you know, it, obviously Rob Reiner and I mean, everyone. It's heartbreaking for everybody. But thinking of outside the family like mel brooks was that close to him and so i was just thinking has there ever been a more uh, like an as successful father-son duo i mean kirk douglas and michael douglas (laughs) well behind the camera uh Uh, i don't know i mean well behind the camera it's harder to say like just 
you know, not everybody. Well, I, I, I guess I mean name. like in the director's chair. I yeah. guess is kind of what I'm thinking. Ron Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard, <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard behind the camera. Yeah, she directed. Um, she's directing some television at least. Uh, she directed. What did she direct that was really good? I can't remember. She directed an episode of something. Black Mirror. In, mm, I don't know if it was Black Mirror. I don't think it was. I mean, she was in it, but I don't think she directed an episode. But sure. Technically, I mean, she directed. I mean, some that's TV. fair. I was just thinking, like, I mean, Rob Reiner and Carl Reiner both have uh, some top tier, unforgettable sure. movies under their belts. And yeah. I just think I've, I've Jason I Reitman, think... Ivan Reitman. Nah, good call. There you go. Those two both have huge yeah, movies. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I guess just to get into the movie, um, so we are introduced to John Denver, who plays a, uh, like an assistant. Kevin, real quick, she directed an episode of The Mandalorian. There it is, yes. Oh, eh? you're right. Yes, yes, yes. That's a really a great good episode, episode of The Mandalorian, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's like an assistant clerk at a local grocery he's store. He's a manager. Assistant manager. So. He man- was a, the assistant. He was the assistant, right, he's the assistant manager. manager. Oh, not yeah, a okay, clerk. Okay. Yeah. He's, not a, a, he's yeah. the assistant. He's the assistant to the manager. Yes. <laughs> um, and he's leading kind of kind of a, not a charmed life, but a very happy life. He's got a uh, stunningly it's, beautiful wife. The solid I, middle, middle class existence. Two kid two you know, two kids, a, a, a very nice house. Like he's just living this good life. Um, and he all of a sudden uh, is visited by George Burns who uh, it kind of tells him, he's like, I'm God, deal with it. And I do kind of like this idea that God has become just like an ornery old man with the way things are going down here. Uh, I can only imagine what he might think (laughs) in 2020. Uh, Well, he takes a form that I guess personifies what what he's feeling and that people and that people would understand so like yeah he takes that form to talk to john denver right and, because and, if it, because a human would never be able to understand yeah what he would look like uh could not comprehend what he would look like and what he would sound like wasn't this wasn't this the plot of something like where got like oh it was dogma hmm where he, where like she comes down as Alanis Morissette because everybody can understand that, and no, and she can't talk. She's almost like Black Bolt from the Inhumans. There's your comic reference. Where like if the if a human being hears her voice, their head explodes, <laughs> which is kind of what happens. I mean, it is what happens in Dogma. Um, and John Denver's character is like, okay, cool. Like I gotta go. Like you know, he kind of. Sh- shuffles him off well so let's let's rework it this way this movie to me really reminded me of miracle on 34th street very much so isn't this just miracle on 34th street with god instead of santa claus it, it, it especially when you get to the climax of the film oh yeah that's oh, exactly sure. you get to a courtroom scene like i i couldn't help but to think that this was almost a re like a soft reboot or you know some kind of soft remake of that or spiritual remake because it's a very similar type of movie you know, with the plot beats, I mean, and all that stuff. So I was, I couldn't help but to think that. And it's interesting because uh, did any of you guys watch the second one? I did actually. No. I did. No. Oh, okay. No. So it, no. the second one is almost like an airplane too. It's the exact same. Yeah, which is story. Which is why I wanted to skip it and go to the third one because it's. Yeah. I mean, it's a just a complete retread, retread, but with a little girl. Yeah. 
I just I can't I can't watch a first and third movie. I just can't do it. I have to. You know, <laughs> oh, I, I mean, just, you ha- you're a completist. You have to go. Through I, the yeah, I, but I seriously. <laughs> Wait, yeah. What about the Hangover Three? Well, I didn't go through the end. I just can't yeah. skip one. Though. But there's absolutely no continuity among the films at all. Right. Like you can. I watch... just thought I might miss like a joke that they would go, yeah. go back to or you, something. You know, you would not. But <laughs> but I'm glad I but I'm glad I watched it though. Sure. Just because. But I was surprised how they were, like you said. I mean, it's it's basically a, a, just a retelling of the exact same thing, down to the end. Like the I end, I oh. there with this one, but like the way that it ends, I'm like, oh my god, it, they're just doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Bruce Almighty is a semi remake of this? I after watching it, I think so because that's yeah. the first thing I thought of. Well, after they Miracle. Yeah. They were trying to reboot Oh God around that time. Uh, Around the time of Bruce Almighty, yeah, with with a with a new person playing God, obviously, because George Burns would have been dead, and the the person that they were trying to get to play God, I thought would have been a great choice. Um, they wanted who was that? Donald Pleasant, Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, okay. I okay. think she would be great in a role like this. Yeah. Yeah, all white uh, suit. I could see it. Yeah, I I think Ellen DeGeneres has some uh, skeletons in her closet, but we won't get into those. I don't think she's as nice as she comes off on on TV. I don't think she is either, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but I think that's that's a, a Bruce Almighty is what it is. I'm not a huge fan of that one. I'm not a big Jim Carrey guy, so I so I am so I'm a Jim Carrey guy up until a point. Kind of like Adam Sandler's the same way. Like I'm in there, which are fine up until a point, but, uh, but Steve back. Carell's the best part of that movie. Sandler's back, baby. Is he? Well, he just did an incredible film last year. <laughs> okay, mean... so the comedic version of Adam Sandler. How about that? Right. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought of Bruce Almighty too, but that doesn't have as many plot beats like Miracle on 34th Street. No, that's called Evan Almighty. Oh, what's Bruce Almighty? No, you said Bruce Almighty too. It was just Evan Almighty. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, the, definitely, I think that they had to have. I feel like they had to have kind of reworked. Like Larry Gelbart must have used that in the, his mind as some kind of a, a layout. I mean, not like everyone's seen Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, so I don't know. It just seemed very similar to me. Yeah, I, I had the exact same thought that yeah. you know. But anyway, so back to the, to the yes. There's not a whole so, lot of story here. <laughs> it, it's it's not it's it's it, and I will say it's a quick like 90 minutes. Yeah, it moves pretty quick. It does. Um, it does feel like there's like commercial breaks. <laughs> it didn't feel quick to me. I'm just to be perfectly honest. Like um, it will be interesting to talk about the next one because this one to me, I'm just like good. I can't help but just good God. <laughs> I'm just like let's that, because that I'm waiting joke to be, got old real quick. I know, but it's like I'm waiting <laughs> to be entertained, right? Like I just it wasn't really that funny to me, and so it was it was disappointing, especially with George Burns in it because he's so funny. And Carl Reiner in the director's seat, I'm thinking this is going to be a laugh a minute. It's going to be just hilarious, and it to me was really again. And I, if you're watching it for a, if you're one religious because. The thing is, I didn't know how religious this movie would get. So, oh man, it got it got it, it went there. Yes, way more than I thought. So, if you're religious, if you're looking for a movie with the family, again, it's a cute little movie. But this to me felt like I was watching a Kirk Cameron type movie. I'm not talking about That's quality. That's what I'm saying. I just mean like this movie is trying to have a good message. And it's just God this and God that, and let's examine God. And to me, I was looking for more of like a funny take on religion or a slapstick kind of a thing that with religion in the background but this was do you think you could do that 
And I'm I'm asking that honestly. Do you think you could make a slapsticky movie that had like religious undertones? Is that even possible? I mean, Mel Brooks could. Life, yeah, maybe. Life of Brian. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You definitely can. Okay. Yeah. And I just I just didn't think this movie is is way more serious, right? Like this is a serious It's it's sterile. It's a very serious it's an it's kind of a serious examination on God and people being good and all this where I was not expecting that. And so this is not a movie that I would want to sit down and watch again. I kind of agree. It's funny cuz I I enjoy this movie. Like I I I don't disagree that it's not like this laugh out loud movie, but I think it's a good usage of George Burns. I think I, you know, I I like. Is this Tom's Monster Squad? <laughs> my, well, my I think this movie's a lot more universal. No, we're done with that. That joke's over. <laughs> this the joke's movie's over. a lot more universally loved than Monster Squad is. <laughs> I think George Burns is absolutely charming in the role. I yeah. think he's. I think yeah, he's a absolutely. great. I think he's a great god. I think that he is fantastic. I think he does a great job with what he's. Given. I think he delivers his lines perfectly for what they are, all that stuff. But I just don't think the script is that funny. Again, not bad, but yeah. not I think some of it, too, know? is I think some of it's been lost to time in terms of just the idea of playing God in this manner um, was a pretty... Rad- what, do mean, what, do you mean, what do you mean in this manner? Like, uh, of of playing him as this this kind of borderline doddering old man who, okay you know like not you know i don't know that we'd had any very many um mainstream successful versions where where god doesn't look like a bearded old guy and in a robe in a flowing yeah. robe you know what I mean? And and I agree. I think that is probably a lot of it too, Tom, is that when this came out in 77, people hadn't seen a lot of that. So like Joe and I grew up where there are a lot of movies right. where there's God personified and there's funny yeah, movies. Alanis like Morissette. Yeah, you've got Dogma and you have other <laughs> movies that examine religion and they're funny. And so, and we've even seen stuff like Bruce Almighty and... Is Evan Almighty really a sequel to Bruce? Is that yes? Yeah, yeah. It's, a Steve, Carell, yeah. it's, Steve, it's yeah. Steve Carell's character. They had so, Steve Carell locked into a two-picture deal, and he got really hot, and so they basically yeah. forced him to make that movie. Yeah. So we. That's is that post forty-year-old virgin? It must be. I believe so. Yeah, and 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 the rise of the office, like he and uh, uh, and and then he had that breakout scene in Bruce Almighty where he's the newscaster uh-huh. and and they're making him speak gibberish. And uh, yep, best scene of the whole movie. Yeah, and and so when all of a sudden yeah. he got hot, and I guess they had, you know, had him sign this rudimentary two picture deal because they're like, well, you never know, and, <laughs> and so they he was kind of obligated. That's the way I understand it, anyway. Yeah. Okay. And, what, and that was always weird too because wasn't he a jerk in that first movie? He's a big old jerk. Yeah. He took Jim Carrey's job. Right. Man. He's yeah. a terrible person, and they made a movie about yeah. him. And I always found that hard when it's like you're supposed to like the person that was. Oh. Well, yeah, but that's that's what that's I mean. The story arc, right? No the pun, story arc no was pun intended. Because right? like he he wasn't a jerk at the end of that movie. Yeah, gotcha. And then they're just like, we'll make him kind of a yeah, jerk in the beginning yeah. of this one. But I feel like just back to the portrayals of God. This was like the. I mean, there are a couple that predated, but they weren't very they weren't very successful. But I feel like this really kicked off the idea of of going out of your way to cast against type when you put God in a movie. 
you know sure no definitely that's why i think at the time it probably would have been a lot more prolific yeah and so we're losing that to time and right. so that's not the movie's fault for being made when it was but knowing what we know now i just don't think it holds up as well today and it seemed like a slog to me i had trouble getting through this one um yeah i mean i'll just say even more than the other ones and i'll just leave it at that but like this one <laughs> to me was very slow yeah it was it was definitely uh plotting would be the best like it was just like okay here let's keep moving plot point by plot point which we should do on this podcast i guess <laughs> um yeah so god kind of says you're my new moses basically you're going to spread the message and you're going to do this and <laughs> in john denver's defense he's just like uh i kind of like what i'm doing yeah i kind of like where i am like you're you, god he's is also not- kind of the bad guy like he's, he's- not He's not religious. I kind of like that too. Like he's he's like, why would you choose me? I'm not one of your believers. I don't even. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it, I I kind of felt bad for him because God has come in and completely uprooted his life. His wife is starting to turn on him because she thinks he's crazy. His kids are turning on him because he's being ridiculed. They're being ridiculed at school, and I guess that's kind of the story of the like prophets is you have to you have to deal with like the people who are your detractors and all that stuff, but keep pushing forward. And I guess that would make sense if John Denver's character believed, (laughs) but he's just like a dude working at a grocery store. (laughs) And all of a sudden he's like, no, you're going to quit your job. You're going to do this. And uh, like, that's kind of the, the villain thing to do to kind of almost destroy this guy's life. uh, Just so he could spread your word that, people may or may not believe it's it is interesting to pick a non-believer as opposed to someone that wants it slash asks for it like i you know i don't know does he in this movie does he really explain why he chose him like other than just saying because like, he's a good man like yeah. that's the bottom line yeah he was he's good. good he was good at heart he didn't he didn't choose paul sorvino because sorvino was just using god's word to line his pockets basically yeah. again mvp of the movie like seeing Paul Sorvino as not an Italian mobster and like doing a Southern well, accent as like, well, kind, not, okay, doing, doing an ac- doing an accent. <laughs> I also I think, think I, I love Paul Sorvino. I just seeing him do something this wackadoo. Yeah. I also think a uh, hat tip to uh, Larry Gelbart, the writer of this movie, because the idea of the, him being this corrupt preacher that predates all of the mega church stuff jimmy and tam jim and tammy faye baker scandals and oral roberts i mean they were in existence but they uh they weren't hadn't really the other guy what there was was the other guy that got busted for something oral roberts around this time like was like paying for it was oral roberts wasn't it no jimmy swagger was it jimmy swagger okay okay yeah but you know what? For him to write this, though, he, he surely didn't make that up. Like, there must have been a lot of preachers and people that sure. were driving around with Mercedes. And, you know, there, this, this must have been a thing for a long time where I the feel, writing is on the wall. Kind of I thing. feel like Paul Zervino's character is based on, uh, he kind of looks like he'd be based on Jerry Falwell, but there was a. a a preacher at the time who was on TV that would heal people. I'm putting heal in air sure. quotes. Uh, Ernest Angley, and uh, and he he kind of sounds like him because Ernest Angley would uh, end all of his sentences uh, with a uh, like he would <laughs> like he would. And it, <laughs> my my favorite scene of this movie is they're in the chorus. So basically, what happens is 
uh, God tells John Denver, go give my word to Paul Sorvino. He does that and he kind of call, he goes to the like, big congregation, big, you know, big thing. Paul Sorvino, he kind of calls him out, says, you're lying, you're, you're a cheat, blah, blah, blah. Paul Sorvino ends up suing him for slander. One of my favorite, the, the best scene of the movie is when uh, Paul Sorvino's lawyer is like, look at him, look at my client. He's an upstanding citizen. He's, he's, you know, going on and on. And Paul Sorvino like, is trying to cover his rings. Like he's got his hands folded in yeah. front of him and you can see like his, you know, 10 diamond crusted rings on his fingers yeah. and he's constantly trying to like cover them up. So, <laughs> and I, that, that made me pop. Like that was, I thought that was really just the way he's like, oh no, I've, I've made a mistake in wearing all of these rings, <laughs> these gaudy rings to this court proceeding about how I'm not uh, taking money from this congregation and putting it in my own pocket. Well, I just thought it was so funny. I mean, as Tom said, how that predates a lot of the scandals and everything that came out about the these people in power that are spending all the church's money. But, you know, he does say during that one congregation, he's like something like, you can love my new car. Or something right, like, yeah, right. I mean, right, that, right. that just that rings so true. You hear dig, about dig deep into your pockets and give it to the Lord. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can see that happening today. Like, there's been news stories about these these oh, guys. Joel Osteen is the worst. He's but, a scumbag. He's a snake oil salesman. Yeah, but but like, there's been people like uh, just recently where like, especially because of the COVID stuff. Like, remember that they uh, opened it up to churches who don't pay taxes, but yet uh, they allowed churches to get all these uh, um, loans they didn't have to repay because of the COVID stuff. Uh, so they end up getting all this free money, and then one of them got busted because I think he bought a new Rolls Royce and a diamond <laughs> necklace, and a, like, I mean, he bought. Seriously, he bought all this stuff with the the money that the church got from COVID relief. So unbelievable. Yeah, um, yeah, and but yeah, so, so, but everything in his life goes bad. So obviously, the wife is is like thinking he's sounding crazy. Um, my heart was breaking for him when he goes to school, and the son is like yeah I'm good and he goes like to walk to get on the bus and then the little girl his little girl comes and just looks at him and turns the other way or whatever like it's oh yeah and it yeah. becomes a it becomes a media sensation and everyone's around at his home and yeah. so do you was that God putting like was that God putting the media there or was that just the media jumping on a story it was the media jumping on a story because okay. it gets picked up in the LA Times and then it and then it starts to go the equivalent of viral in that day and time because he's on the Dinah Shore show and like that, how big was that show? I don't huge. Even know that is. I mean, she okay. was the Ellen or Oprah of her day. Um, okay. I mean, with, like, yeah, yeah. With I mean, Carl Reiner as a guest, which I thought that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that was there were all these like afternoon talk shows at the time uh, that were so you know you had. Um, Merv Griffin had one. Michael Douglas, uh, not Michael, Doug uh, Mike Douglas had one. Um, but uh, but Dinah Shore was like just massive. So yeah, so he goes on there. He goes on the Dinah Shore Dinah Shore show. Uh, tells his story. The same deal. They bring in a, like an LAPD sketch artist, uh, and of course they sketch George Burns. Yeah. Uh, and so like his his life is engulfed by media trying to um you know get his story the 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 freaky followers of god you know trying to uh touch him and touch his family and like the one woman's like put a baby in me and he's like all right this is 
okay, right. we have we've overstepped our bounds here. This is not what I wanted. He's lost. Which I like, guess he's is, lost the respect of his kids, and then his wife is mad now. That's the story of Jesus, though, right? Like, isn't there a story where he says, "I don't want this. Like, I don't want any of this." Yeah. Well, and most prophets go through that. You know, they have right. that as part of their story. I like there's. Uh, Terry Gar's got a good line when during the media deluge where she's like, I, I went to empty the garbage and two people blessed me. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. one of them blessed the garbage <laughs> and, then, right. and then asked me if our children were conceived immaculately. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like there are some good lines in this movie. Like I, you know, I and I don't know. I like I said, I I, I enjoyed this movie. I, I get what you're saying about it. You know, it's not like super punchy in terms of like joke, joke, joke. But, I uh, really expected to be with 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 a stand, with, you know, with a stand yeah. up and with Carl Reiner directing it. I mean, I'm watching Dick Van Dyke show, and I mean that's a a sitcom with a setup, you know, sure. setup punchline, you know, regular type sitcom. And so to me, this just played totally different. And, and I know part of that's my expectations, but knowing now what I know, like I just don't think I could, I would sit through it because it's just not as entertaining. It again, may, it's a cute movie, but um, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to figure out why, like how did they get Carl Reiner involved? Do you know any of the story of like why he wanted to make this movie or was it just a job to him? My guess is it was probably just a job. Well, I mean, he knew Larry Gelbart, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm I'm assuming. And if you look at his directorial career, he doesn't have like I feel like this was his first like really big hit. Yeah. Um and so like, you know, I, you know, I mean, obviously he's a name, but uh but I don't know that Carl Reiner was ever an A-list director in so much as he got to pick and choose what he wanted to do. Well, I mean, I think he could pick and choose because he probably didn't need the money. But I don't know that he was ever an A-list director in the way that anybody was like, let's go see the new Carl Reiner movie. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, because um, like before, oh, God, it looks like, you know, obviously a bunch of TV work. And then he directed a movie called Where's Papa? And then one called Enter Laughing, which was uh, was an autobiographical movie. Oh, he directed a movie called The Comic with uh, starring Dick Van Dyke, (laughs) (laughs) which is well, there we go. uh, Not all that great, but it's very interest. It's an interesting film more than it is a good film because Dick Van Dyke plays a silent film star who's really just a son of a bitch. And um, and he just kind of drives away everybody in his life. He's a real jerk. But within the film, Dick Van Dyke recreates a lot of like old time silent comedy type sketches um, like as if they were real and he w- did them back yeah. in the, to the 20s. And so it's uh, like I said, it's, it, the movie doesn't entirely gel, but it's it's definitely worth checking out just because it's it's an interesting idea. And there are some really neat moments of them trying to create like old time comedy. Yeah. I, you know, and I didn't know if he had any kind of, uh, like if Carl Reiner wanted to make some kind of statement on religion, like, because this movie is so, so much more serious than I expected. I just didn't know if this movie was made to push religion or, you know, like I'm, I'm just trying to understand better what this movie is trying to do because it is taking itself so seriously to an extent right right? and like so was this movie like this is a movie trying to teach people that god is real and talks to us and just because you don't see him doesn't mean he doesn't exist you know like they're making some very 
serious points in right. this comedy. So, well, I from wonder. what I understand, I mean, he's a practicing Jew, so like I think that like he he was religious in that mm-hmm. regard, and I think I think what it might have been was almost a reaction to the early rise of evangelicalism because you started to see a lot of TV preachers during this time, mm-hmm. and they were picking up TV time cheap, and you know. As just paying to be on TV, and uh, and you you were seeing more and more of that. So I I almost feel like it's a reaction to that because there's mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot of, there I mean there are a lot of little jabs in this movie where like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a thing where uh, where John Denver character says I don't belong to any church and then George Burns says well, you know neither do I like it's okay right like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't either you know like so there's there's a I mean there's a lot of digs at organized sure. religion especially the you know what we would now term megachurch stuff you know mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah for sure so the so the pastor sues him because he's now yes. defamed this guy saying he's a phony because he calls him up like during that that big sermon thing and says god talked to me and he said you're a phony you're fake and now he's being sued for it and he doesn't have a lawyer and he's getting torn up in court and there's just a, there's a lot of uh actors like i recognize the judge uh the guy who plays like the the regional manager of the grocery store that's david uh, ogden styers from mash yeah right? he which i i can't help but think it's connected even though larry gelbart would have left mash by the time david ogden styers came on as winchester um it's he he ends up on mash the next year so yeah, there's right. got to be so, I mean, timing. Timing's a little spot they're in the on. industry. And, yeah. uh, you know, Hollywood is more of a close circle than it is nowadays. Right. And yeah. But yeah, being that Carl Reiner directed this movie, I'm sure he can get plenty of working comedians as yes. these little bit parts. Yes. And like we said, Paul Sorvino, Donald Pleasance. Uh, so, yeah, so he gets he's getting eaten up in the courtroom. And finally, he says, I've only got one witness and it's God. And of course, uh, everybody kind of laughs at him, and then here comes George Burns into the courtroom. Well, I um, I think I want to dress real quick before we get to the very end. They they have a I, there's a nice moment where they want him to have God answer a bunch of questions, and they give him these cards. Oh, yeah, and they wrote it all in like, and they wrote it all in Aramaic, Aramaic or whatever. <laughs> and so, and then he has to like, and then God goes through and answers all the questions for him. Like I, right. I thought that, that, was, that was a good little bit. Yeah. So God, you know, he gets, you know, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? So help you, God. And he said, so help me, me, which I thought was a funny little, yeah, joke. Uh, and he kind of lays it out like he he puts it, you know, nobody really believes. He does like a card trick and makes the cards disappear. Oh boy, uh, those which effects, isn't really those isn't really a miracle. Practical <laughs> effects were something. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Oh, and they never. So we're just gonna cut here, take them out, and then restart it. Got it. Yeah, like it looks like Bewitched has more mind blowing effects <laughs> yeah. than oh, what they do. It here. does. I was gonna <laughs> say. I guess Carl Reiner was not known for his practical effects. And they never <laughs> get better. Like it's like, so it's so <laughs> bad. Like I mean, throughout the franchise, the whenever they have him do something godly the effects are always awful <laughs> yeah they're pretty bad especially when we get to part three um yeah so he kind of he walks he's like all right fine i'll show you a miracle and he he's walking out of the courtroom they cut the film they pull george burns out of the movie they rest it's almost like when you would tape something off of tv and you would pause it so you'd get the commercials taken out and then you'd re you know start recording again that's kind of what this looked like um and you know the he walks, you know, the, the swinging doors open. And he walks out, and 
the judge doesn't really know what to do. So I'm assuming that he kind of he awarded Paul Sorvino the money. No, no. I think that they were just no. like he threw they were the like, case. okay, we all saw something here that was unexplainable, and okay. if we and we can't prove it, so how about we all just walk away from this? Yeah. So earlier in the movie, um, uh, John Denver asks, "Why doesn't God just?" Uh, record himself and do a broadcast and all this stuff and he says i can't be captured like i'm i can't be captured in any medium like right that. right no re- video no yeah, it can't be recorded audio. which the only flub is then how is he in a taxi id when he drives him around in a taxi <laughs> well i just pictured like he made his own id well it's just if you can't you be know. captured in a photo then i mean i think that's that kind of breaks the rules but anyway um so he can't be recorded and and so the judge they're recording the whole court session and he goes to play it back in his chambers and just the god parts are completely silent and they try to argue oh well is there a problem with the recording blah 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 and and the judge is like no well they also they look they look at the stenographer and all of god's parts are gone too like he's like they were here but now that they've gone back in the courtroom even the stuff like that he typed was gone yeah so they ended up dismissing the case and you know but they all all the people there know what they witnessed. Like they can't explain it, but they all saw the same thing. And so, yeah. Yeah. So Santa Claus is real. Yeah. Santa Claus is real. John Denver loses his job. Uh, Oh, Mr. Feeney's in this movie as well. Yeah. William, William Daniels. Yeah. He's like, he's like the guy who's like the tip top of the grocery of, store of, of the grocery store. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kit, if you will, maybe that's more appropriate. <laughs> Doctor uh, Mark maybe. Craig for our Saint Elsewhere fans. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, right. Uh, and he, you know, God shows. There's a there's a phone booth ringing, which will never be a thing ever again, especially now. Um, where he picks up, where you know, John Denver decides to pull over, picks up the phone, and of course, but there's a sniper trying to shoot at him in the phone booth. I thought it was really strange. Bit <laughs> <laughs> of weird end of this movie. Uh. And he basically says, he's like, I think the line was, lose a job, save a world. And it's just like, what, why, what are you doing to this poor guy? Like, you you can't expect him to walk away from this. I'm sure it's an unprecedented court case. He's been all over the news for what I assume is months. Yeah, no, God's just... There's no way this guy's getting a job. He's just leaving him to fend for himself now, and he's... Yeah. <laughs> I guess he'll have to... Start his own work, mega church. Work for a church. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, what else is he going to do? Like, people, he's still... Other than the court people, who else is going to not think he's crazy, right? Like, it's only the court people that kind of cleared his name. So, right. yeah, God's right, just right, like, right, yep, right. well, see you later. <laughs> he's like, if you... And I guess the last line is, what if I need to talk to you? And he's like, you talk, I listen. Goodbye. I was like, well, and he's and John Denver smiles at the end. And it's like, I would not be, I'd be pissed. I, he just kind of uproots <laughs> this guy's life. Like I just, he destroys <laughs> this dude's life. You know, the thing it's funny. Cause like we talked about how the next one, Oh God, book two, great title, by the way. Um, <laughs> that's about the only thing great about it, but it's a great title, but it's a retread, but with a little girl and it's like, boy, this really plays bad with a kid. Like, well, when, oh, well, really? when you start off the movie by saying, hey, little girl, come meet me in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't like, help but to be skeevy. Like, I know that it's George Burns as God. Like, we all know what we're watching. Right. But when you, 
if you just take it literally, and right. he tries to lure a little girl there in a Chinese restaurant with a fortune cookie saying, meet me in the lounge, which means which the Which is bathroom. the closest they come to establishing a religion, because I was like, oh, he's Catholic. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, uh... But yeah, I mean, just the idea of like that a kid would even do that. But it's all. But in part two, just real quick, there's there are so many things that are of the era. Like I don't know if you've noticed if you noticed this, but whenever she's in the car with her dad, no seatbelts of any kind. Right, they they right. they oh, never no, not, yeah, wear seatbelts. Sure. Well, her 19. dad her dad was an anti seatbelts. He said, "You can't take away my freedoms." Right. <laughs> but, but uh, I'll do what I want. But then, but the, man, then they, when they start they, testing her to see if she's crazy, and they're giving yes, her these they cat commit scans. her. Yeah, like it's like, like you're you're right. It is it. Pl- I felt the second one was so mean what God was putting her through because yes first of all he he leaves for huge swaths of time yeah like George Burns is hardly in the second movie and he leaves this little girl to be tested people think she's crazy be bullied to be committed her parents are getting ready to commit her because it's like court ordered and it's like where is God like he it, to do that to a child yeah, he left this poor little girl out to out to dry basically. yeah yeah like you said to do that to a child and it, not that he wasn't it's not any more terrible that he messed up John Denver's life but at least he's an adult who can fend for himself but like yeah they really messed with this little girl so it was it was hard <laughs> to watch for sure and then the closing well, I didn't watch it. the closing scene of that movie <laughs> It's the same scene. It's the same scene, but then like he's like you could she has a, a real affection for him and then he's like, Okay, I'm out bye and then it freezes <laughs> the last <laughs> shot of the movie, it freezes on her tearing up this yeah. ten year old girl and then rolls credits over a static shot of her crying. And I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> what, is, what What movie did you think you were making? Yeah, that was, that was a weird choice, certainly. And we should say, like, when we say it's a, a retread, like, again, it's the same story with I'm, I've am i seen God and you're crazy talking to God and all that. And then the final scene, instead of a courtroom, is this board of doctors like, who are like trying a to... a commitment hearing, yeah. Yeah, to, to try to commit her. So instead of a courtroom, it's that. And he does the same thing. George Burns' God shows up. Uh, instead of pretending to be God, he pretends to be a doctor, which, okay, whatever. But then he disappears and walks out the door and talks to them. I mean, it is the exact same way to make them believe yeah. as the courtroom scene. So, it was, but yeah. At the and end, that was what, 1980? Yeah, it was that one came out in 1980. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it was just, I'm glad I didn't watch that. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm glad I saw it just to see it. I mean, I. I mean, I honestly, I personally, because I wasn't too fond of the first one, I enjoyed it just as much as. as as the first one i thought that it was i thought they actually did a little bit some more interesting things with it like i don't know i thought the advertising aspect was interesting um she has to come up with a slogan and it ends up being think god like instead of thank god she puts it around think god hmm. and so i don't know i that sounds like something a child would yeah do. i i enjoyed it just as much meaning- but like talking about the retread aspect instead of uh having the dinosaur thing it's johnny carson mm-hmm. like it's you know oh and hugh downs <laughs> is in that who also just died this week oh, it, oh. he's the newscaster on nbc oh, he wow. was the host okay. of 2020 oh. for years and uh he was also uh one of the uh he was the original sidekick on the tonight show and it was hosted by jack parr mm. Jack Parr famously walked off the Tonight Show on live TV because they wouldn't let him tell a certain joke. And Hugh mm-hmm. Downs was basically the Ed McMahon or Andy Richter, depending on your age. And uh, 
And he like basically Kevin Eubanks. He basically had to like take over and do the show. Eight, he walked off like eight minutes into an hour, hour and a half long television show wow. live, and he's just like, "Okay, guess I'm gonna do this now." Did he come and back and do the show the next night? No, uh, he left he the show quit. for six, eight weeks before they finally got him back. And Jeez. and did he do the Parham, joke on his first night back? I can't, I think he did. I feel like the only way you, you get him have. back is to do that <laughs> yeah. joke. And the joke was the punchline had something to do with a water closet, which is a European way to say bathroom. And uh, and like that was too edgy. And he's like, Lord. this is dumb. I don't want it. Jack Parr. But Jack Parr won The Tonight Show was a juggernaut. Like he nobody thought anyone could ever replace him. Like he was wow. huge. And Good I'm sorry. Him, he wasn't though. the original host. He took over for Steve Allen. My apologies. So anyway, uh, anyway, there's all that. I guess. uh I guess that's it for this one. Let's uh, yeah. Let's go around the virtual table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts, B-U-T-T-S 21. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. This is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, don't forget our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So coming up on the next one, the Misbegotten sequel. Maybe it's less misbegotten to you guys because you didn't care so much for the first one. So uh, um, so that will, will be the third one. Oh, God, you devil starring the hot white comedy personality of Ted Wass. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in. Oh, you mean in. Blossom's dad? Yeah. Or uh, Danny Dallas from Soap, again, depending on your age. Uh, so, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, Jack throws Madeline out of the house. You know, you got to give Dean credit. When he has a show to do, it's amazing how he gets the job done. For instance, he's got to introduce everybody on this dais. And believe me, it's not easy. He's got to stand up to do it. <laughs> in fact, the doctor gave Dean one day to stop drinking. Dean picked January the 20th, 1999. <laughs> Look, I know at these roasts you're supposed to say terrible things about the guest, but how can you say anything nasty about Jimmy Stewart? He's a doll. I'd even like to take him out dancing. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.